I'm Laura Vinroot Poole. For 20 years, I've owned Capital, an internationally recognized specialty store. Capital has never really been about fashion. It's always been about people. What We Wore was created to share the meaningful journeys that inspire me. From the designers and friends I meet on the road to the men and women with whom I work each day. Everybody wants to know her Barbara Tiefink has had an incredible career as a fashion designer, costume designer, and even a flower designer. Barbara was also at the forefront of celebrity dressing, designing custom pieces for Uma Thurman, Adele, and Michelle Obama. Her stories of how these iconic fashion moments came about are both entertaining and inspiring. Barbara Tiefink, welcome back to Charlotte. We're so happy to have you back. Thank you. It's always such a pleasure to be here. It's always a I... big treat. Oh, for me too, really. <laughs> Where do we first meet, Barbara? On the phone. You were pregnant and couldn't travel. And you had seen some of my work, I think through Barney's probably. Yeah. In the heyday of Barney's. I had just learned how to, this certainly dates us, I had just learned how to send photos on my computer. <laughs> And I remember sending one picture at a time. I think mm -hmm. you must have gotten 30 emails. <laughs> when I think about it, it's so funny. Share with the listeners where you're from. Well, I was born in Manhattan. Yeah. And I grew up in New York and Long Island. Really spent so much of my life in New York. It wasn't until graduate school that I went to California, which was something... I didn't really love, I must say. I didn't fit <laughs> California or graduate school? Both. <laughs> Actually, both. I lumped them together. Um, and then years later, of course, ended up in L.A. But I still feel like I'm a New Yorker. And, yeah. of course, I absolutely love coming to the South. I, I feel that there's something very sweet about life here that doesn't exist anywhere else in the country, really. I agree. There's um, a gentility and refinement that I miss when your clothes fit beautifully here. Yeah. What was it like growing up in New York City? Tell me about, and where did you shop? Oh, gosh. Endless shopping. <laughs> um, <laughs> of course, Bendel's was amazing at that time for young women. Mm -hmm. I can't call it contemporary clothes, but it was obviously um, more geared toward coming of age, young women. It was so much fun. Of course, if you were buying something very serious, you would go to Bergdorf's right. with your mother, of course. Right. <laughs> and it was so much fun. That's where I got my first gown. Uh. I'll never forget. I mean, and they didn't even really have the cl have the dresses out. They would come in, meet you, take a few measurements, and then go to the back and bring a selection. I love it. Which was so fun. Uh. And the one thing I tell everybody they should do is <laughs> they had – a chandelier with a dimmer so you could mm. see what you look like in the night. <laughs> yes, oh, I love which that. Which really would be so easy to do. And I think it I think it really is a great idea. We need no one does it anymore. No, how beautiful. No we need to talk to the architect about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> and Lord and Taylor's, you went to everyone went to the bird cage for lunch <laughs> with your mother, your grandmother and it was amazing. And these were havens for women. I mean, when you think about it, uh, department stores were really a place where women came and gathered and, yeah. and 
that's what you do here in a way. I yeah. mean, that's you've preserved that and it is it's our world and you can be yourself and have fun and be inspired. I always laugh about that. December is very um, trafficked with men. There, mm-hmm. there are tons of men that come in the store to buy Christmas presents, Hanukkah mm-hmm. presents. And the minute <laughs> Christmas is over, we go back to being a normal store with all girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's it's like, um, it's just a different energy. But tell me, I know your mother was very stylish. Tell me about your mother and your grandmother. Oh, gosh. My mother, very stylish, instilled a lot of rules. <laughs> <laughs> For example buy less and buy correctly, which I love, which is actually sustainable when you look at what we're at now with clothing. Um, How to take care of your clothes, how not to overdo things. There was always kind of tutoring and refinement, (laughs) ladylike, which is why the South (laughs) resonates with me so much because I truly grew up in that environment. And I'm grateful I did, actually. I'm really grateful. Of course, there was not a lot of makeup or Mm. you could go into the city and get a proper haircut, which was always such a treat. Um, But also the fun of shopping. I think I may have told you this, that my very first fashion show was Chanel Couture in Paris. Wow one summer, which was, I think I was 17, was truly unforgettable. Definitely, I felt like there was training going on, lots of funny stories. And of course, I was always going a little off to the left or right, um, (laughs) not quite down the path, which my mother couldn't quite understand. But I was a designer in the making there, and I was experimenting. You have um, an incredible education also. You went to Skidmore and got your master's from Stanford. Tell me, what did you study? Well, at Skidmore, I was in psychology and education. Which is really good for fashion. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) What was so great about Skidmore was it was a girls' school founded for women in the arts. Yeah. I mean, that was the focus. And... No matter what you majored in, there was culture, there was art, there was literature, there was people weren't wearing their overalls and staying all night in their painting studios. There were dancers, there was opera, ballet. I mean, it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. It was really a haven, and I felt very cozy there. So it was a terrible shock <laughs> <laughs> to go to Stanford and be one of the only women and. I managed to befriend about three other people that were young, like I was. I was 20, wow. which is ridiculous to go to grad school when you're 20, but what was I, you know. <laughs> and what did you study? I studied nonprofit education and nonprofit, so museums and So again, cultural... a good, good training for fashion. Yes. <laughs> nonprofit. Exactly. Excellent training. <laughs> and I did end up working at the New York Historical Society. That was your first job out of? One, that was a side job that came quite organically when I left my original position as a design assistant. My boss left, and I didn't want to stay. Uh, he's still a dear friend to this day and still comes to my shows. I'm very proud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was hard. You know, California was very difficult. But in a way, it was really a great education to be thrown out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Of, a world of women, basically, into this co-educational situation. So I got a lot out of it. And curiously enough, both of my schools have 
reached out to me, and I know that your school, you know, Chapel mm-hmm. Hill has reached out to you yeah. about fashion. Suddenly, I mean, isn't it shocking? Well, no. I, I mean, your course that you taught sounded amazing. Tell me about that. I ended up meeting a vice dean of cultural affairs and creativity. I'm not even sure what they call it, but because, of course, Stanford was not founded for the arts. It's <laughs> about, you know, 65% of them are studying computer science. So, it's really the other side of the brain. And the students have kind of rebelled, saying mm-hmm. they want to know about fashion. And I was called in to do a master class, which was really enjoyable, I have to say. And then called in once again by the students, saying they were doing a fashion show. And would I come and give a speech at their show, which was really delightful and such a wonderful experience and the enthusiasm. But I mean, the first thing I said was, I think I'm going to faint. <laughs> They're doing a fashion <laughs> show at Stanford. I don't even know what to say because I literally had to go undercover when I was there. Yeah. What did you wear? Well, that's what they all asked me. I said, a lot of platform shoes, and I used to fall on the grass. <laughs> I mean, there was this massive green, so it was you could fall easily and not hurt yourself. And uh, actually, I dressed similarly to what people are wearing right now here at Capitol. I was wearing a lot of long dresses and caftans Mm. and jeans with kind of Mexican blouses and things like that, embroidered pieces. And, you know, it was fun, but I always had on my clogs and platforms and uh, my favorite jeans. Uh, We never got dressed up there, which was very different than being on the East Coast. And then you moved back to New York. To, to be a costume designer first? Well, I went LA? abroad. I went to Latin America for oh, several right. years and taught and worked for the Ministry of Education in Venezuela, which was the most amazing art course, really, vis-a-vis the most extraordinary nature and beauty. So that was And some of truly the most glamorous women in the world. Oh, my God, really. I mean, People really dress there. They love fashion. I really enjoyed being there. And I came back to New York thinking, what am I going to do? And somehow managed to get a job at 557th Avenue, which was <laughs> the building. Yeah. I mean, riding the elevator with Bill Blass and Oscar <laughs> de la Renta and Pauline Trigger every morning. It. And, and it was such a great time to be an assistant. You were treated very respectfully. Mm-hmm. People would acknowledge you. Of course, it was also on the other side – we really revered these people, but it wasn't celebrity. It was more respect and wanting to learn. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing to be there. And who amazing. were you with? And what? Did, tell me what you did. I worked with an Italian-American designer named Salvatore Cesarani, <laughs> who was very famous as a menswear designer mm. and had won many awards, Cody Awards at the time. And he had was asked to start doing women's wear. Mm -hmm. And it was very tailored. It was very much of a Ralph Lauren sort of. He had worked for many years for Ralph Lauren Mm -hmm. as as his designer Hmm. for both men and women. Wow. My training was really began with textiles and fine tailoring, which is wonderful because learning tailoring, traditional tailoring, is, is such wonderful beginning stage for learn for, yeah. for training as a designer because you can well, always Stella move McCartney, away exactly <laughs> how to make a beautiful fitted in Dior yeah, like Dior. a fitted jacket or Chanel a beautiful suit so it was it was wonderful training and 
anyone from Italy, textile people, you name it, they would see the Italian name mm-hmm. on the roster downstairs and they would come up. So <laughs> is that how I'm, you is that how you met Taroni? Uh, absolutely. That's oh, wow. how I met everybody I in the it. textile world. Huh. Um, and they all came in and they just assumed I was his daughter, <laughs> which was very Italian. You train your family to take over the business. So it was really enjoyable, amazing craftspeople, pattern maker, sewers, the highest level. Yeah. And photography was really just coming forth as press kits, for example. Mm-hmm. And our our press kits were done by Bruce Weber. Wow. So it was really it was really amazing education. And how long were you there? Five and a half years. And then moved to L.A.? No, no, not for a long time. I got a job at the New York Historical Society. Ah. So I went back to my quote-unquote roots. <laughs> and I also worked as a flower designer. Really? I took a break from fashion. I was sort of burned out yeah. because of all the politics that was going on <laughs> in my office. And I wanted to just try something else. And I did that for about a year and a half. And then I started assisting a very prominent stylist who was working with Richard Avedon and Bruce Weber, uh, Bill King. A lot of people don't know who Bill King was, but he was an amazing photographer. So we were doing the campaigns for Lancome, for Mm -hmm. Isabella Rossellini. Just wonderful state-of-the-art photography and advertising when it was so beautiful and elegant. So it was amazing. It was wonderful. I did that for quite a few years. Mm -hmm. Being a stylist, did people know what that was? No. No, They would think you were a hairstylist. Right. right. (laughs) (laughs) One of my cousins who said, are you a hairstylist? (laughs) No, not at all. I love it. It was a new profession. It really was. And it wasn't about dressing celebrities. Right. It wasn't at all like that. It was really very, very interesting. It was working with advertising agencies, mm-hmm. working with graphic designers, mm-hmm. working with photographers. It was fascinating. Yeah. And, of course, working with Richard Avedon was amazing. <laughs> and the thing about Avedon that a lot of people don't know was that he absolutely loved being surrounded by young people. Uh. He had... I never even knew what an intern was, but he had about six or seven of them huh. developing film downstairs in his townhouse. And he was just such a lovely man yeah. and so excited to pass along knowledge, which, yeah. I mean, was amazing. I remember him pulling me aside and showing me massive photographs of Paris, post-World War II Paris, and the woman roller skating, the roller skating series, Dovima, of course, mm-hmm. all of these, and asking me, well, what do you think of these pictures? What do they mean for to you? <laughs> and, of course, I was very, very nervous at first. And then I was able to answer and come up with – I mean, it was just so stimulating. I, yeah. I, I'm so – I can't tell you how grateful I am for that learning. Yeah. It was wonderful. And then you felt like you could – make a go for it as a stylist it was a natural evolution yeah and one of my friends who is a highly regarded art director he was a design director of Vogue for many many years and also revamped Vanity Fair with Tina Brown Charles Churchward a Japanese photographer called him and said we need somebody to work on commercials and but we need them to be a designer as well as a stylist and he said well I have the perfect person yeah that's amazing and I started working with this 
very innovative team from Japan who were the first to use handheld cameras and all kinds of crazy alternative ways of doing things. And uh, it was unbelievable Hmm. because my very first commercial actually was with Abaddon for Calvin Klein. So I had a little bit of experience. Now this was something entirely different. And I, as a result, I fell in love with filmmaking. Yeah. The motion picture. (laughs) And ended up marrying into it. I did. (laughs) And, and it just was so exciting. And again, you know, I was always very attracted to to learning. Yeah. And I always encourage people, young people, that's what you should go for because it's an opportunity when you're building your career mm-hmm. to have mentorship and soak in everything. And, you know, I, I wish there were more of that. And I guess these schools we just talked about are trying to do that. Yeah. But there's nothing like being in the real thing but it's pretty amazing how your all of your things collided to make this one you know your career it really (laughs) it was embarrassing when people said well what do you do and and I would have this kind of checkered past (laughs) I would think it was it's it's all it's all part of the plan (laughs) it was it was there was there was a connecting thread sewing it together yeah but it felt kind of patchy and I realized that I was becoming an entrepreneur, really. Yeah. From then became an independent stylist, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, working with this Japanese team for over 10 years, and it was really the first time I did any sort of celebrity mm. uh, anything. It was Harrison Ford and Ray Charles and the original <clears throat> cast of Tango Argentino on Broadway. So I started working with dancers, with men. I mean, it was really costume designing. Yeah. It was fascinating, and I got to go to Japan, and was really changed my life going to Japan. In what way? Minimalism. Mm. I'm not a minimalist, but I have to say there's... In a weird way, you kind of are. I am, yeah. in structure. <laughs> yeah. I like structure. There's I nothing extraneous. Structure. Yeah. It's all the most important things. It is, and I have to say it's it's so educational to go there. Of all places in the or in Asia, it's it's where I gravitate toward, and such regard for beauty, mm-hmm. such regard for integrity, and as you said, you know, give the message clearly, right, without the extraneous. Mm-hmm. As you said, it was it was such an eye opener, and I loved it. I loved it, and and also the relationship between design and nature. Mm-hmm. I loved that. I found that really inspiring. I can see it in your work. You and I both love flowers. And back to your flower design. (laughs) Oh, my God. My flower design career was the most – it was like a course in painting and color. Mm. I say this to people all the time because I love shocking pink. (laughs) I've said to so many times that shocking pink is a color of nature. People don't believe me. Peonies. But if you – well, the inside of a peony and the inside of a tulip, Mm -hmm. you can find iridescent Mm. tones and shocking colors that no one – No, (laughs) in the magical world of flowers. Working with Uma Thurman and Prada was a turning point for your career. It was. I was always such a behind-the-scenes person, really, and I was never looking to sort of... Well, celebrity designer didn't really exist at that time. Right. 
you aspire really to be really good and to learn and and which I'm I'm glad I came from that generation and suddenly I'm in Hollywood and I was working doing things for Vogue and people were calling me not knowing how to deal with celebrities and how to treat them and I <laughs> and I was really trying to come across and explain that really just do what you're doing in New York and do it out here but it was a fascinating world and and I can understand why it opened a whole new theme yeah because it was different the the press called it the gown that launched a thousand imitations yes <laughs> yes and tell me about designing it i mean tell me about the whole process well i was brought in to make introductions mm-hmm. really i was in between movies and i i welcomed an interesting activity to fill in the time <laughs> off because I would get very bored if I didn't have something to do. Yeah. And I came in, I had used Prada in one of my movies, and so we became friendly. They approached me and they said, would you help us meet people we'd like to dress someone for the Oscars? And so I brought them Uma Thurman and Miranda Richardson. Mm. And in the end, they could only work with Uma because it was just too much. <laughs> and after lots of toing and froing, I was asked if I could make some sketches. What was so interesting was I was looking at the lookbook and everything was transparent. Hmm. And I thought this That's would never cool. work <laughs> with the lighting, et cetera. I can't send nude people down. <laughs> it's not going to be my first right. launch here. This is um, not Cher. This is Uma. <laughs> exactly. And as entertaining as Cher was, it wasn't really what I was hoping to do in my wildest dreams, Yucha asked me to do the sketches. So I did them, sent them over. And a few weeks later, they called me and they said, you've got to start working on a dress there, which I was able to do. Because shipping it back and forth was not going to yeah, time-wise work out. They, they participated. You know, I was very respectful. I wasn't planning to just go ahead and do something. I waited for their approval, and then I went ahead. So was that one of the first times you, since Cesare that you started to create your own? Well, I, I was creating my own in the commercials. Right. But for, yes, in really more fashion. Yeah. It was. Although I was designing movies at the time. I'd done about three movies, and I'd done, designed many things for the films. Mm-hmm. But for fa- the world of fashion, right? yes. And she really didn't want anything overly complicated, and she wanted to be ladylike. And I treated her as though we were on a movie doing a costume. And I said, well, who do you want to be? Who do you, who are right. you channeling? And what's your dream? And she said, I remember very clearly, she said, Grace Kelly meets Glinda the Good Witch in The Wizard oh, I of love Oz. It. And actually, it really looks quite like that, doesn't it? Did. It did. Oh, Barbara, I love that. And which is why we use these the sheer shawl, because she said, I'm going to freeze and I need a cover up. But... You know, the shawls became the rage. I probably should have gone in the shawl business. (laughs) (laughs) Punctuated with these beautiful opalescent sequins that were flown over from Italy and dyeing the bag. The famous thing was dyeing the bag to match in the shoes and that causing a bit of a scandal. Um, (laughs) And I kept explaining, "You, you must do that on film because the white will pop out and look silly you won't know it you won't be able to read it right whereas the sheen of the satin in the lavender will be a different texture than the dress and you will read it right and these sparkles will just give it a magical feeling etc and um were you 100 percent confident that you knew what you were doing 
I really felt good about it. And it sounds like you you were. Yeah, I I mean, because it was... You didn't second guess yourself at all. Well, we camera tested everything. Mm -hmm. I knew knew it would read on film. And even if you look at a bad picture, it reads. Right. You can see the sparkle. You can see definition. You Mm -hmm. can see texture. These are all things that you must take into account when you're designing for film. Mm -hmm. So I used all of those skills on this dress and I knew I knew it would come across well Mm. and it was just it was so well received it was so beautiful but nobody was more shocked than I was when I saw it on the cover of Women's (laughs) Wear Daily what about what about um hair and makeup did you have any input on that well that we were going after the Grace Kelly very clean and the jewelry we went to all the top jewelers she was meant to wear Van Cleef and Arpel I wanted to do something completely different nobody really was that aware of Van Cleef? And I thought, oh, mm. that would be so chic. And there was a problem with the delivery because all the deliveries oh were done through guards. And we'd also gone to Harry Winston. And we ended up uh, using Harry Winston because it was late. And mm. we were worried the jewelry wouldn't arrive on time. Are you paid by the studio? Are you paid by Uma? Are you paid by Prada? I was paid by Prada. The whole process? Yeah. And it was and done. And you bill for your hours? Or I'm sorry. I, it's it's fascinating. And it, oh, it was totally it was, at the beginning it of was, this whole it thing. It was. It was not about the money, <laughs> if I can say it politely. Shall we say, exactly. I had an agent in New York at the time, and, you know, my role changed. I had no idea I was going to be designing a dress, and <laughs> I certainly never intended to promote myself mm-hmm. at all. In fact, I didn't, I was at the Oscars. I was, I yeah, was Miranda. No, oh. no, no, not with my husband. I hadn't even met my husband then. But Miranda Richardson, I ended up helping her, mm-hmm. and I took her to Richard Tyler, whom I oh, knew. I love, yeah. And he, he did. He was so great. He's such a gentleman and such a lovely man. Yeah. And I worked very closely with them. They listened to everything I asked for. And, you know, I participated in designing Miranda's mm-hmm. dress, and she actually – was so much fun to work with. Yeah, I mean, she was a much more mature actor. Mm-hmm. Um, not, was the dress pretty? Oh, it was fabulous. And she wanted to wear green, which is one of my favorite colors. And we joke, she said, Barbara, just make it the color of American money. <laughs> <laughs> she was it. she was a laugh. And she was a bit <laughs> nervous. And I said, well, you should do some yoga before. So my yoga teacher, <laughs> oh, God. who's this famous yoga teacher named Gurmook, who's a Sikh oh, yeah, who wears, yeah, you know, turbans. Of course. She arrived at the hotel, the suite, <laughs> you know, with the music and the incense. And I mean, it was very California and very amusing for me. And and Miranda said, Barbara, my dear, would you would you be my date? Oh, I love it. So I didn't so go did to the... So did you see Uma at the... Yes, event? of course. Yeah. I did. And what did you wear? Did you make a dress for yourself? No, kidding me. It was oh so last minute. I actually wore, I thought I had to wear Prada, respectfully, at right. that point. So I remember having this black full skirt and a little crop top. You know, very demure. I, I That's what I wore. Very simple. Mm. And it was shocking to see what people were wearing there, I have to say. <laughs> I had to really control myself. There was some extreme fashion. It was... It was fascinating to be in this rather small space and seeing all these clothes yeah. and being up close and personal. And, and so is that when you decided to pursue it on your own? Not at all. No. I was very keen on doing films. I mean, the highlight of the evening was meeting Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> I mean, I was more fascinated by that. 
Um, no, no plans at all. And people started coming up to me days later and saying, you're crazy if you don't start your own collection. <laughs> yeah. You've just made millions of dollars for somebody. And mm-hmm. and I felt so uncomfortable. I was very shy about it, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. And I started getting phone calls four in the morning from London for some reason. And the Times saying, you know, can we interview you? And I'm like, well, I mean, the New York <laughs> Times even called me saying, we hear you've designed the dress. When the New York Times called and I said, well, I really can't talk about it. Yeah. It's a surprise. And I mean, I just didn't do a thing until Vogue, my <laughs> friend Charles Churchward at Vogue, said, we're doing a story. We want to interview you. We want to see your sketches. We want to photograph them. We're sending a messenger to pick them up. Did you look back at the sketches and make sure they were great? Did they you? were beautiful. They were done by a truly magnificent artist. Oh, they were not by me. And he said, and do me a favor, would you sign them? Because <laughs> they weren't signed. <laughs> I know. I was. I promise you, I was not looking to self-promote at all. So in 2001, you started your own label in partnership with Barney's. And what was that like? I did. And was it with Judy? I mean, Judy and Julie, yeah. Judy Collinson, Judy Gilhart. It's such a funny story. I made seven samples, and I had been going to all these Oscar parties, and I was always freezing. Yeah. And I was looking back on historic fashion in Hollywood, and people always wore evening coats. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how perfect. I want to wear evening coats. And I made myself a few of them, and I'd found these fantastic vintage fabrics that no one understood or cared about Mm. in a dusty attic somewhere in L.A., and I thought, oh, my goodness, I should start making coats out of brocade because everyone was wearing black and it would be so interesting to suddenly have brocade you know it hadn't been popular since the 60s so I went into Barney's with a tote bag full of swatches and seven samples and Julie's eyes were sort of she was in shock when she saw what I had been doing and she said I could really start to understand this as something very interesting you should because you make a few more samples uh, I said, yes. And I said, well, what what fabric should I use? And I started pulling, you know, I had no presentation. I had no <laughs> idea. I had no line sheet or lookbook or anything. Right. I didn't know. Sure. She says, do you have more? And I would pull out more. And then <laughs> the table, there were 30 swatches on the table, and her eyes were just lit up. And years later, they said to me, Judy and Julie all said, that's what we liked about you the most, that <laughs> you were not – so perfect and groomed <laughs> and savvy that it was really quite organic yeah. what you were doing. And we found that really refreshing. So, um, And you had such a great business there. I know you had a great relationship. I did, with yeah. That's where, actually where I first met you. They were so wonderful and so encouraging. What a beautiful time What a beautiful time. Yeah. I and mean, inspiring. Wasn't it, it truly inspiring? It really, really was. And that's why this whole chapter has been so sad. You've dressed incredible women from Michelle Obama to Adele. Do you have a favorite or a favorite experience? Adele was honestly did not know who she was. (laughs) Vogue called me and they said, we have a project for you. And I said, what's that? And they said, well, we have this singer and she needs to be groomed and (laughs) she's young. She's 19 and she's going to the Grammys and she's amazing. Would you work with her? Hamish was involved, and I loved Hamish, and he was always very respectful of my work and very kind. And 
And I realized, oh, this is a really great project and I need to say yes. But I did make a stipulation. I said, the only way I'm going to do it is if she comes to my studio yeah. and she's measured by yeah. my pattern maker. Exactly. Because Mr. Yoon. Mr. Yoon, yeah. And they agreed. And Adele arrived with her boyfriend in tow. Uh-huh. Had no idea that was the boyfriend that the breakup album oh, was wow. all about. 19. Yeah. And she was such a character. Um, <laughs> she looked like she'd had her makeup on from <laughs> two nights before. Her hair was all disheveled and she took, was about to take out a cigarette. And I said, you can't smoke in here. I'll get kicked out of the building. And she looked to me like a young Lynn Redgrave yeah. and Georgie girl. Mm. I couldn't get over it. And it was so amazing. And I realized that her whole inspiration came from the Shirelles. And she used to buy these albums in secondhand stores and sing in her room. She was embarrassed to sing in front of anyone. Like, she wouldn't even let her mother come in. But that was where it all started for her. And it was so wonderful for her to tell me about this because I then modeled her dress after that. I love that. And And did she connect to your work immediately? I mean, did she get it? I don't think she was really cared that much about so fashion, funny. to be honest with you. Yeah. She was wearing moo-moos. But she trusted you. She was hiding herself Aww. in clothes. She would make fun of herself. And Aww. she just was, she just very English, you know. But she's never been more beautiful than in your clothes. Thank you. Well, she needed to wear fit and flair. Yeah. I mean, that was the perfect silhouette for her. And yeah. that was the period what people people wore that. Right. And she also has beautiful hands and arms and... She wanted sleeves, and I we test we did everything like costume designing, sure. of course, the way she moved and what she wanted. I mean, she said she'd never worn a belt before, which I found extraordinary. Wow! But the most fun part of all was I said, "Well, Adele, what about jewelry?" She goes, "Diamonds, <laughs> <laughs> of course." And so when she said, "I loved she... her when she said that," I thought that's <laughs> so cool. <laughs> she's nineteen years old. Diamonds. She's never worn them before, but this is just beautiful. <laughs> I found her at Stephen Russell on Madison uh, Avenue, whom I love. I found, I guess it was an Edwardian brooch, and it was of a blooming flower. And uh, I just love the symbolism of that. Yeah. And we put it literally in the, the décolleté of her dress, uh, which was so, no one wore brooch. Then, yeah. But Adele was very, she loved the whole kind of retro thing. So it was really fun, and she loved it. She loved wearing it. And, what a perfect match. Yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. I want to hear about Michelle Obama. Tell me about that experience. Must well, have been incredible. And actually, she wore she wore you many many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It came about quite organically. Several people had mentioned to me, "Oh, your clothes would be perfect," but I didn't really know how that would happen. And it just happened that I was in Paris, and Christophe de Maison ah. was consulting with me at the time, and he said, "I'm going to bring Ikram in to see you." And within seconds, she walked over to two different very colorful florals dresses and said, I want these two in Chicago in three days. Oh, my God. Or in two days. Barbara. And I remember, and she was, and you can't tell anyone. It's top secret and this and that. I, I, I was jet lagged, of course. So I was, oh, my God, how am I ever going to get this done? And... It was so exciting, and we finally figured out with 
Kristoff's assistants, you know, to send it UPS, not FedEx, <laughs> and all the logistics of shipping from Paris. And, and then I didn't hear f- from her for a while. And the strangest thing happened. I was in my studio, and there was a blog called Mrs. O. Uh-huh. And for some reason, that particular day, at that particular moment, I opened my computer, went to the blog, <laughs> and I see this picture of Michelle Obama wearing one of my most favorite floral dresses I've ever done. There she is with these wounded warriors wearing this floral dress, like she's a giant bouquet amongst uh, these people in wheelchairs wow. with missing arms, whatever, and smiling, and it was the most uplifting photograph, and it said, the blog said, does anyone know who, who designed, designed this dress? Ah! Barbara, did you email her? I Did you know I how to? I barely type. I was so worked up. I think my assistant had to help me, and... <laughs> We Mary, <laughs> it's Barbara T. Bank. And oh. So that was such a wonderful surprise, I wow. have to say. And it was such a beautiful She's so cause. beautiful. Yeah. Certainly an exciting moment was when she wore a dress to meet Queen Elizabeth and the royal family, all yeah. shot at Buckingham Palace. And Did you know that's where it was going to no, go? No, no. In fact, they're very naughty. They said, oh, we need fit and flair because she's going to be bending down and kissing children. So I thought she was going to wear it to a school. And I thought, it's a little dressy for a school, but who am I to say what she should do? And curiously enough, my husband was in the countryside in Hampshire, where his family's from, you know, Jane Austen country. And they were watching the news. And there's Michelle Obama. And he actually recognized the dress. Oh, that's so sweet. And I woke up at very, very early, six o'clock that morning. And I see there's about 20 emails from my husband. And I'm like, this is crazy. What's wrong with him? You know, I was yeah, right. kind of irritated. <laughs> I opened one and there she was standing with the lifeguards, you know, with the beaver hats mm-hmm. and the red uniforms next to the queen. And I didn't know what, I, I mean, I was beside myself. Did you, amazing. would you have known what to put her in? If you, I mean, would you have changed anything? There is protocol on yeah. what to wear around the queen, correct? Yes, like the jacket. And they did she a jacket? And did it fit those protocols? It did. I mean, it's really interesting. I forget who the journalist was that wrote this, but she said Michelle Obama wore a dress that really spoke as an homage to the Queen ah. because it looked a little bit like Hartnell dressed her in the fifties. Uh-huh. The bolero jacket. I mean, it's very Balenciaga too, but yeah. everybody did it then. And the fit and flare dress. So mm-hmm. it was it was a little bit like an homage to the queen. Mm-hmm. I know they must have known what the queen was wearing because she was wearing a pastel floral, mainly blues and whites, which dovetailed beautifully with mm-hmm. Michelle's dress. Because, it, I mean, it just in watching fashion coverage of Michelle Obama, but also Melania Trump, like everybody, there's so much commentary on, oh, I can't believe she wore that. That's, you know, that's the wrong thing to wear around yeah. the queen. You know? <laughs> and I'm always like, I don't know that I really would have known. Well, I, I didn't know. I mean, one person, one journalist said it was a smidgen too short. I was like, <laughs> okay, I can buy that. <laughs> Several people didn't like the jacket. I didn't put it together with the jacket. They asked me for jackets and I didn't I mean I was so excited to see her wear it did she wear gloves Palace. no do you wear gloves no. no no but it was wonderful and then meeting her after she had worn both those dresses uh, I met her at in LA and she was so lovely and and so 
I remember my friend, Ambassador James Costos, who was the ambassador to Spain, called me the night before and said, I'm just telling you, she's very laid back. And I'm like, look, I'm from New York. I'm not from LA. I'm not going to be, I'm telling yeah. you right now, I'm not going to be laid back. <laughs> just tell everybody. Just, and, just warn everybody, I'm not going to be laid back. And I'm in this receiving <laughs> line and I'm holding my little purse like this and I'm next. I'm so, and James, <laughs> it was so awkward. He's like, give me your back. <laughs> And he said, he said, just be prepared. She's going to hug you. So, and that's why Aww. I took the bag. <laughs> and she's just like, I love your clothes. Aww. And she could tell that I was sort of shell-shocked. And she's <laughs> shaking me, like pointing at me, wagging her hand. I mean, seriously, saying, your clothes are beautiful. They are. They're not just pretty. They're beautiful. And I remember thinking, if I don't get this message, <laughs> what does it take to get the message, exactly. the compliment? You know, it's hard to take compliments, oh, especially from so... someone like her, obviously. But she's so not a political person, too, yeah. which is so lovely. It's not about any of that. Sure. It's just about – she's so feminine. I mean, she loves clothes. She loves women. She yeah. She's very supportive of other women. So that part of her I, I just um, really gravitate toward. And she really wore American designers oh, almost yeah. always and, and supported the industry so much. And how wonderful that she wore people that were not in the headlights, you know, yeah. and, and really said something about her. Absolutely. That she made that a priority is, uh, as, as you can tell in, in other administrations, that was not a priority. So it made a big difference for fashion. It really did. It really did. And I, I, I think that she supported a lot of women designers, too. She did. Yeah. Before the trend. Yeah. <laughs> what did you wear to the prom? Oh, I oh. can tell you. <laughs> well, I wore the dress from Bergdorf's. I love it. And what did it look like? It was very pale pink. Oh, pretty. And it was trimmed on the bottom. It had a flounce at the bottom. I'd, I'd say it was probably four inches what was the fabric satin mm -hmm. and it was beige flat but very pale beige so the colors were very similar and it just had that slight punctuation it had a high waist and it had a wide sash also in the beige color Gorgeous. that pulled and tiny little gathers and I remember I I had shoes dyed to match you, that was, you did that early on. <laughs> and the funniest part of, of it all was that I got home that night and my best friend, who was also really into fashion, who ended up studying fashion in college, called me and we were very excited. And I said, oh, my gosh, I got the most fabulous dress. And there was silence on the end of the phone. And she had actually bought the same dress. <gasps> no. <laughs> and did you both wear it? And I just remember saying, mine's already being altered. <laughs> So I got to wear the dress. I love it. And she got another dress. <laughs> I don't know if she ever forgave me for it, but it was such a funny story. I love that. Remember, I said, it's pale pink and it has a beige belt. And it's silence on the other end. <laughs> dead silence. And I was expecting her to say, oh, that sounds beautiful. <laughs> and there was nothing. <laughs> That's so funny. Thank you, Barbara, so much. Oh, thank you, Laura. It's such a pleasure. Always. I love hearing your stories. Um, oh, thank you. And <laughs> I can't even tell you how much I love being here. It's been so many years, and it just feels like a gentle respite from <laughs> the insane world of fashion. Well, good. That's the point. We hope it is. 
What We Wore is produced by Capital and Balto Creative Media. The original song, Someone So Enchanting, was composed and performed by Britt Drazda. What We Wore is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com.